For the Ethiopian community in Israel, English proficiency can mean economic success. Enter English Biyachad, English Together, a Good People Fund grantee that gathers North American volunteers to teach English via Zoom and other similar platforms to Israeli young adults in underserved communities. The one-to-one -one pairings are fueling academic and economic empowerment and lifelong friendships. Founder Marla Gamarin describes the program's remarkable trajectory with GPF Executive Director Naomi Eisenberger. Tell us a little bit about how Skilled Volunteers for Israel started. I was actually living in Madison, Wisconsin, where I'd lived for 30 years, and I'm, I'm very tied to Israel. We have an apartment there. I speak Hebrew. I'd volunteered in Israel in my late 30s when we were there on sabbatical. And as I was sort of moving into my 50s and wanting to think about the next stage of my life, I thought, wouldn't it be great to have an opportunity to volunteer in Israel? Mm -hmm. And I started researching and there were very, very few opportunities for seasoned, mature North American Jewish adults to volunteer in Israel. So many programs set up for young adults for great reasons, but very few opportunities for older adults. So I decided to start Skilled Volunteers for Israel. We, we launched in 2011. And the idea was really to provide an immersive, almost Israel from the inside experience for North American Jewish retirees who wanted to use their skills or talents or just their personal connections to Israel to do something to help the country. So that's what we that's what we launched. How did things go? You know, I've been doing this as a volunteer since I started. And so we didn't have a big budget to promote all over the country. And I did the present tense in entrepreneurship, global entrepreneurship program in 2010. And that sort of opened doors to me. And so we started with, you know, a handful of volunteers the first year, but we, we were very quickly serving 35 to 40 people a year. And that's sort of where we landed in that program. It was a fantastic experience, but there were barriers to entry for our volunteers. It's expensive to spend time in Israel. It's hard for people to leave for four to six weeks. You have to be pretty independent. We weren't programming our volunteers all day. And so it it was it catered to a very specific kind of person. What kinds of opportunities were you able to offer them? Well, I right away hired somebody in Israel with who was very connected in Jerusalem, a woman named Judy Gray. And then she was succeeded by uh, when she retired again by a woman named Terry Hendon. And they both had terrific networks in Jerusalem within the nonprofit community because they were there and they were local. And we used those relationships to open doors. And on the U.S. side, uh, we screened our volunteers. So we did a background checks and medical screenings and interviews and references so that the receiving Israeli organizations felt that there was sort of an intermediary taking care of the volunteer. And then they were very happy to open doors. So we work with schools. We work with social service agencies. We work with nonprofits. For the most part, our volunteers were not Hebrew speakers. So we needed to place them in settings in which they could operate in English. And then it was now, almost three years ago, COVID struck. Working with, you know, probably 
almost 70 nonprofit organizations here and in Israel. You know, I sort of had a front row seat to what was going to happen to nonprofits in both countries. I can look with some perspective and say, hey, this program really suffered. Certainly for skilled volunteers for Israel, nobody was traveling to Israel to volunteer. And so tell us how skilled volunteers for Israel pivoted, because for me and from my perspective, this was a pretty significant positive outcome. Thank you very much for that. And I I agree. Um, We, you know, we closed from March. We closed. We had people like ready to leave the next day and said, don't go. And then we waited a couple months, just like everybody else, because we didn't really know what kind of world we were in. And when we realized that COVID was a long-term situation, I decided with the woman who worked with me in Tel Aviv, her name's Dr. Minna Wolf, let's pilot something online. And because we we sort of weren't ready to sort of shutter the whole operation and close the doors. And we had so many relationships with Israeli organizations and we had this resource base of, of alumni volunteers. And we thought, let's pilot doing something with English. And we we had worked in a lot of schools, but we had found that the schools just in Israel, just like here, were so overwhelmed with trying to move everything online and deal with the complexities of transporting their in-person services to online services. They didn't really want another online opportunity. So we turned to a program, we piloted with a program in Batyam that was working with Ethiopian women who were pursuing higher education. And I recruited a small number of our alumni volunteers who had English as a second language skills, professional or volunteer, and said, figure this out with us. Do we need a curriculum? Do you have to be an English teacher? Do you have to have ESL background? What's this like? And the program was very excited to have the opportunity to provide English tutors and mentors to their students. And Naomi, within like a couple of weeks, we just started getting this feedback. This is fantastic. And we can't go to Israel. And we're we're working every week with an Israeli and we we're getting to know each other. And no, you don't need a curriculum because they what they really need is to improve their ability to speak English with some confidence and with fluency. And that's, you know, they've all had English. We're we're not at, we're not Berlitz. We're not trying to teach English online. We're there to provide an opportunity. And so this program in no scale, the little program we were with in Batyam. So we, we then pivoted to some other relationships that we had already in place. I'll just tell you briefly that we turned to first to Tech Career. Tech Career is a fascinating organization that's been around for 20 years and does really boot camp style training for the Ethiopian Israeli population to to help them integrate into high tech jobs. And when we talked to Tech Career, in June of 2020, I mean, I have this so vivid in my mind and in my heart. We said, would it be useful to your students to have access to English speaking tutors? And they opened up a list at the very end of June. And in like less than an hour, 50 people signed up. And yeah. we knew that we were onto something really 
powerful. We closed that list. We said, let's do this right. We closed the list and um, we've got a couple other partner organizations now. And we've worked with 430 Israelis since uh, July, 2020. So it's a better model for us. And we have worked with over 300 volunteers. And so it's much, there's much fewer barriers to entry and much easier for people. And I think the impact of what we're doing is much more significant because it's not just experiential. We're actually helping people with their English to give them the opportunity for better economic opportunity. It's been a great pivot for us. <laughs> wow. Talk about backing into something. Um, <laughs> not knowing, not knowing that you were going to really literally strike gold. Tell us a little bit about the importance of this, effort, particularly for people within the Ethiopian community? Yeah, the Ethiopian community, of course, is a very unique community in Israel. Students that we're working with, they're now in their 20s and 30s, so they either came to Israel as young, very young children immigrants, or they, they're Sabras, they're born in Israel. But what they share with us is that they don't have access to English speakers in their social networks at all. And they understand so clearly the importance of English as a key skill to succeed in the Israeli labor market in general, but particularly in the high-tech field. What we're doing is we're taking that foundation that they have in English from the Israeli school system and giving them one individual who's dedicated to each student, gets paired with one person, to converse in English. And the Ethiopian community says, you know, we've heard stories where they, this is English could be their third language if they speak Amharic or another language at home, and then Hebrew. But we hear that the level of English language instruction that many of them had in the school system was low. And, and because they don't have anybody to practice with, they're, they're sort of at a loss as to how to improve their English despite their, their strong motivation. And so... English Biyahad really provides that safe space and that place where they can work on their English because our tutors are seniors who worked in every professional sphere you can imagine. The relationships really transcend English also in many ways. So they're speaking in English, but they might be talking about how to navigate the job search process or how to present yourself in an interview or how to write an email in English that looks okay. So the English is the platform and is the goal, but the relationships that are built between our students and our tutors are really transcend English. And the other issue that I think is really kind of interesting to think about is that the parents and grandparents of these young, dynamic Ethiopian aspiring professionals that we're working with they came from a different world. The Ethiopian community, in my understanding, was, you know, a much more agrarian society. And so, you know, whereas our kids could turn to, to us and say, you know, how do I prepare for a job interview? Some of our students didn't even know go on the website and research the company and think about what are the pros and cons of that particular job. So there, there's a lot of extra value, I think, that comes from having access to somebody who hasn't had a professional career. 
yeah. and can talk with you about things. You know, we started to talk about English Biyachad, but we didn't translate. English Biyachad is, is essentially English together. You thought you were going to be giving your students proficiency in English, but it turned out to be so much more a, a rich mentorship relationship. Is there an example of one that really sort of sticks out with you? So I told you we work with Tech Career, but we also work with an organization called Empowering Ethiopian Women, which is mm-hmm. a, a relatively new nonprofit, and they're really about providing skills and access to resources for the Ethiopian Israeli woman in a lot mm-hmm. of areas. And one of our tutors, uh, a woman who had a communications career in the U.S., Mm-hmm. was paired with a woman who was, I think, studying law. And, mm-hmm. But the, the Ethiopian student decided she wanted to start a business doing workshops in Israel on training people how to make injera bread and Ethiopian culture. Students said, I'd like to do these workshops in English. And so Laura and Tamar went through a several-month period of discussing everything involved in the culture, making injera, and so it wasn't just like building a vocabulary. It was understanding the processes, and Tamar was able to start delivering a workshop in English. So Tamar delivered first that workshop to some of Laura's friends as a practice, Then we invited her to deliver a segment of her workshop to our tutors. And, and one of our tutors who lives in New Jersey actually in, invited Tamar to provide her workshop to her synagogue. It's just opening so many doors. And what Tamar said was, you can't imagine the power of the doors that you're opening through English and through this relationship. Have any of the volunteers had an opportunity to meet face-to-face? Yes. So, you know, when Israel started to open up, Mm -hmm. people started to be able to go back. I started getting photographs. It's fantastic. To see one woman brought, you know, invited her tutor to over for Shabbat dinner with her family. I mean, just like oh. really pow- amazing stuff. Yeah. One of our tutors is uh, formerly from the U.S., but he lives in Israel, and he's been tutoring several students. And he, he was a conductor for, he's a conductor, an orchestra conductor, mm-hmm. retired. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting fellow. Well, he's also a cantor at a conservative synagogue in near Netanya. And he invited his student and his student's girlfriend to um, Slichot services mm-hmm. at the conservative synagogue, which you can imagine that this Israeli had no connection to the sort of North American more extremes of Judaism and women and men sitting together and and it was fantastic so there's so much cultural exchange going on between the communities whether we're sitting in New York or Indiana or wherever so that's been very fun and exciting. How do you meet the demand for the tutors? We're actually Mm -hmm. launching a recruitment committee of volunteers to help us recruit more systematically, maybe build pods of of volunteers within different synagogues. We're working with a synagogue in Atlanta that's interested in bringing um, English Biachad in as a volunteer engagement activity for their Israel work. And so I think 
that now that we're, you know, in our third year, we're starting to systematize through institutional relationships as well as through personal networking. What do you hear from your volunteers? Yeah, I think the volunteers, I think, absolutely taken by their students. Our our tutors feel, like they say to me, I feel like I have a new grandchild. So there's this sort of combination personal-professional connection that goes on that's very meaningful. And I think the volunteers feel such a stake in their student success. So they'll look at their resume if asked to. They'll practice a job interview if asked to. And, you know, the students will let them know, I got three interviews or I got a job. (laughs) Or one student was laid off from her job and she was devastated and her tutor mentor said, you know, I was recently laid off right before COVID. And here was this woman, she's in her 60s and so, so professional and so polished. And just that kind of interaction, the tutors are sharing aspects of their life that are Mm -hmm. personal and profound. And, and the students are connecting to that, you know, and getting a, a deeper, broader perspective. So there's, that's some of the power that the tutors are sharing with me, that, that deep personal relationship that many of them create with their mm-hmm. students. How do you envision English Biyachad down the road? I have a vision that's sort of operating on a few levels. In terms of growth, there's other communities in Israel that I think have similar barriers. So the Arab-Israeli community or young adults who are living in the geographic periphery of Israel mm-hmm. in development towns. And so we see the opportunity to look for partners who will work with us to expand our reach within Israel beyond just the Ethiopians. And we don't want to walk away from them because we love working with them. But we see our services as relevant, perhaps, for other groups. The other areas that we're building some volunteer on the U.S. side, building infrastructure Mm -hmm. teams of volunteers to help us manage our growth and continue to provide excellent support to our tutors. Um, I didn't share with you, but we do monthly discussions, drop-ins, and we've done formal trainings, and we've curated lots of resources for tutors. And so we're now starting to implement an orientation infrastructure and a a regular sort of regional liaison system and a technology support team and utilizing this incredibly talented pool of people that we keep getting access to through the volunteering to help us build the organization. And then lastly, I have to say, Naomi, I I shared that we were working with 35 people a year and I worked as a volunteer. Organizationally, we're still sort of in early childhood and Mm -hmm. we need to grow into (laughs) adolescence or adulthood. I'm looking at, you know, increasing our board of directors and pulling in talented people who might want to help us build and envision that organizational structure. We're looking for funding so that we have the financial oxygen to expand and thrive. And It's probably the most challenging part. You probably would agree that starting a nonprofit organization is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I have to say, and I'm probably not unique in that so many people who start nonprofits start with some idea of how you want to change the world mm-hmm. or do something good or, or fill some sort of gap. And so, so many of us, I think, walk into this nonprofit world with 
the, the mission and the impact kind of thinking about what can we do to, to make things better. And then the real work, like we just started talking about, is this sort of building an organization. I've also learned that there are so many amazing people out there, and I have to put you in that, in that, in that crowd, <laughs> Naomi, who are willing to share and guide and mentor. And so I think if you're, if you're starting a nonprofit, first of all, always is asking the question, is that the right model for what I want to do? But then right. being willing to really, you know, you have to deal with the finance side and a board and insurance and, you know, all the aspects of running a business, even if it's not a for-profit business. And so it's challenging, but it's also kind of exciting. At some, it is. Some level. Yep. No, I'm glad you added yeah. that because it, it is exciting. I'm so glad that we had this chance to chat this morning. And, of course, more than anything else, for the good work that you and English Biachat are doing. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you for this opportunity to tell our story and for the work that the Good People Fund does because you guys are a very special and important organization in our Jewish and non-Jewish nonprofit world. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.